Hey, this is Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder, and I've been on that show. It's a good show, I think. I have to, I'm still figuring out how to listen to podcasts. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Sean Donnelly. The way things are right now, I feel like everybody, everybody's so down on everything, you know, like you know, YouTube commenters, all that kind of stuff. So negative, we were like, me and my, my friend, uh, Brendan Ayers, who was my comic, we were like, um, why don't we do a show where we celebrate a top one topic every month and we just, you know, kind of dissect one topic and really just take like a, more of a positive spin on it, you know what I'm saying? We'll hear more from Sean in just a bit. Our song of the week is from a Japanese band called the Pen Friend Club, and I'll explain at the end of the show how I uh, kind of came across them. It's an interesting story. Uh, by a fellow podcaster is how it actually happened, but I'll give you the details when we get to the end of the show. Uh, in the meantime, uh, let's go to the archives for a couple of uh, very popular dumb bits. First, there was Vanilla Coke. Then, Pepsi jumped on the bandwagon with Pepsi Vanilla. And now, Pepsi is trying to rip off Coke in an even bigger way. Introducing Pepsi Coke. It's Pepsi with the flavor of Coke. Mmm, I haven't had Pepsi this good since the last time I had a Coke. That's because the can says Pepsi, but the taste says Coke. Wow, Pepsi Coke is awesome. See, some 20-something gulped it down and said it was awesome, so it's gotta be good. And it comes in every possible variety. There's Diet Pepsi Coke 1, Caffeine-Free Pepsi Coke, Caffeine-Free Diet Pepsi Coke, Cherry Pepsi Coke, Lemon Cherry Diet Pepsi Coke Blue, and Caffeine-Free Lemon Cherry Diet Pepsi Coke Blue with Caffeine. Wow, I had no idea the taste of all my favorite Pepsi flavors would taste better with a taste of Coke. Take the Pepsi Coke taste test today and see if you can tell if you're tasting Pepsi or Coke or both. Pepsi Coke. It's the Pepsi name you know with the taste of Coke you love. How many times has this happened to you? I'll be back in a minute. I'm going to the restroom. Hmm. Flounders or snappers? Ooh. Let's try snappers. Ooh, sorry, wrong door. If you're a guy or girl on the go, then you know theme restaurant bathroom designations can be misleading. But now you don't ever have to be confused again because you've got the Restroom Thesaurus. The Restroom Thesaurus lists every possible combination of male-female euphemism. Blokes and birds, bantams and hens, shoots and ladders, bobsleds and moguls, endomorphs and gynecomorphs. Yes, the Restroom Thesaurus is your one-stop source for avoiding embarrassing entrances into the wrong bathroom. Seafood restaurants. Oh, let's see. Buoys and gulls, bulkheads and portholes, hornpipes and shanties. Oh, here we go. Flounders are men. All right. Never walk into the wrong restroom again with the Restroom Thesaurus because you don't want to take a shot in the dark. Kind of a strange start to this interview with Sean Donnelly. I was interviewing Jose Sardaway just for the paper up in Minneapolis, but we had such a great chat, and it went on a little longer than I thought it was going to. Uh, I thought, well, hell, we'll use this for the podcast as well. And as I was wrapping things up with Jose, Sean called in to do his interview, and uh, so it might be a little choppy at the beginning here, but here now is our interview with Sean Donnelly. Hi, this is Yeah. How you doing? It's uh, Sean Donnelly. Hey, Sean, what's up? How are you? Good. Um, I was trying to remember, I, th- I think we've spoken in the past, either for City Pages or City Beat in Cincinnati. 
I can't remember which. I, believe, I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. So it's I'm I'm sure it's been at least a year or so. So I guess a good place to start is uh, like what what's new with you? What's happening? Um, I've been on the road a bunch, and uh, I've been working in the city a lot. I had a um, I don't know if I mentioned this last year. I had a, a script deal with Comedy Central that the show didn't go, but we're trying to take it to a couple other places. Uh, and I started a new podcast. Uh, I started a new podcast called uh, Defend Your Movie, where uh, a comic friend of mine comes on and defends a movie they love that nobody else really likes. Uh-huh. And then also, uh, just recently, I started doing a monthly show on Sirius Satellite Radio called Celebrate. Oh, neat. And what, what does that involve? Yeah. What? That's basically like, I feel like the way things are right now, I feel like everybody everybody's so down on everything, you know, like, you know, YouTube commenters and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think it's so negative. We were like, me and my, my friend, uh, Brendan Ayer, is a really funny comic, we were like, um, why don't we do a show where we celebrate a top, one topic every month and we just, you know, kind of dissect one topic and really just take like a more of a positive spin on it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And are you... Yeah. Oh. And are you in Los Angeles or New York? I can't remember. I'm in New York. I thought so. Okay, and uh, that's where you've been for a while, right? Yeah, I've always I've always lived in New York. I grew up in Long Island, like right on the border of Queens and Nassau County. Then I lived in okay. Brooklyn Brooklyn for ten years, and uh, now we just, me and my wife just moved to uh, Sunnyside Queens like a year ago. Oh, cool! So kind of all over the uh, the, the Long Island area. All over the old uh, New York City tri-state area, yeah, yeah. So, uh, growing up there, were you always interested in the comedy scene, or uh, was it something that, ca- that kind of came later? I was always interested in the comedy scene. I used to listen to stand-up comedy records with my dad, and um, and then when I got older, I was really into um, Opie and Anthony and Howard Stern, and I loved all the comics they had on, and I was a big fan of Jim Gaffigan. Oh yeah. Uh, so, so, and when I was a kid, and still am to this day, a fan of Brian Regan, and and uh, and so I just loved. I used to watch all the shows when I was um, when I was younger. I used to watch MTV Half Hour Comedy Hour, and uh, and fan of Spotlight with Rosie O'Donnell used to host that when she was like, that's right. Nobody knew who she was. Yeah, and. Uh, so I was a big, I was always a big fan of stand up, and never, I think I never, I never had like the guts to do it. And then now I'm not like I'm ten years in now, a little over ten years, but I didn't think I would get to the point of actually doing it. And then even to the point I am now, of working in it and doing TV stuff and doing it, like I'm, I, I went beyond what I thought how how I thought this would go. So growing up in New York was and starting there, is it more intimidating? Because, you know, guys that come there, they, they kind of know what they're in for. We've had a couple guys here from Cincinnati that have moved there, of course. Uh, Sam Evans. Oh, yeah, I, think... I, pro- I probably know them. I probably yeah. know the guys. Uh, Sam Evans. Um, Alex Stone was there for a while. I think Alex... No, Alex did move to New York. He was, went to Chicago, and then he moved to New York, and now he's rooming with Sam. And uh, I think I've met Alex. Yeah, I know Sam. Uh, not super well, but I know Sam. Really funny guy. Really yeah, nice yeah. guy, too. Yep. Um, yeah, New York, I think what it did was it made me better faster. I think you're right. I think the best comics from all over the country come here, and the only reason I happened to start here is because I was from here. So I think yeah. I think I had a better – I think even before I started, I knew that when I started, I was so close to New York City, I might as well start in, in New York City, not in Long Island, because I feel like that was the mecca of comedy. So 
and and it, it makes you better, I think. So I think from starting here, it kind of made me more more not callous. I don't want to be callous, but more like more experience because I I got to go up more than probably I would have if I lived somewhere else. I got to um, go up. You know, the, the the audiences can kind of be tougher here sometimes. Yeah, you kind of build that muscle harder than if I was somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, because the, uh, the the challenge here, of course, is you know, there's there's two rooms in town, soon to be three when they reopen the the one chain that's remodeling, and then uh, some people are doing some shows around here. But we're like the twenty second largest market in the country, so it's it's pretty challenging to find enough. Uh, you know. Oh, absolutely, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So New York, right when I started, there's tons of open mics in New York, and then you could do uh, you know any spots I can get I would pick up. So. Even open mics alone, when even when you first start out, if you want to get up twice a night, you can in New York City. Oh yeah, so that's... that that helps a lot. That helps, you know, because even you know when you're when you first start, um, I think the first at least the first three years, two three years, you do a comedy. You're trying to get comfortable on stage, and you're trying to just find out who you are. You know how you come off. You're not you're not really you shouldn't be worried about. You should want to be funny at the same time, but you're not. It's not like you're going to be this a legend six months yeah. into stand-up comedy. You know? Right, right. Um, so, yeah. how has the trajectory of your comedy changed? Like, it was did you start off doing stories or doing observational type stuff, and then kind of morph into how did um, the... the trajectory? I think it's still changing. I think I'm still trying to get better, and I think what I'm trying to get. I do. Um, I, it's always been based on my life and stuff like that. And I have shorter jokes. I'm trying to make the jokes longer, if even even if by stringing together shorter jokes. And also, I'm trying to do. I do a lot of crowd work on my act. I've been trying to curtail that a little bit just to work out a different aspect of my act. So I've been trying to do. Uh, I love crowd work, and I, I I kind of I kind of I look up to guys who can literally make it sound like everything's coming off the top of their head. But yeah, I want the I want the crowd work to match up to the joke. So that's why. I've, I'm, I'm just trying to get funnier as I go. So um, the way the trajectory has changed is, yeah, I've kind of like embraced slowing down. I've, I, I think I used to be way faster in how I came off on stage. I talk fast in real life, so it kind of made sense. But yeah. I think I'm trying to be more thoughtful in what I'm doing now than what I did, say, four or five years ago. I see. <clears throat> so do you get to tour? Yeah, or brought... I think... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying admit, try to make it more personal and try to make it, you know, as... As unique to myself as I can. That's that's kind of the point. Not to get too too uh, you know inside baseball about it, but that's what I'm trying to. Do. And when you did start, do, did you have any sort of uh, day jobs to kind of help you along, or did you kind of dive you know wholeheartedly into it? And uh, you know? oh no, I that's the that's the downside about New York. Like I'm sure, I feel like when you start on the road and you want to jump into it, you have the right connections. You can kind of get by a cheap rent somewhere else in New York City. So. You can kind of get by by featuring or hosting at clubs or or doing whatever road gigs you can figure out. New York City is kind of the opposite. You get you get better um, you get better as a comic probably because you go up a lot. But what you kind of do is you're doing almost like two different full time jobs because you need a day job to survive in New York City. So I had a day job up until probably six years into doing comedy. So I yeah well yeah let's see yeah maybe like. Seven years I had the J job for the first six and a half years of comedy because I just had I, the only only in 2011 did I stop working a day job. And what kind of stuff did you do? I did. I worked the last job I had. I worked at an advertising agency. I did like their facilities management kind of thing with oh, all wow. the construction projects on their floors and stuff. 
And then, uh, and before that, I worked at an insurance company doing the same kind of thing. But before, right, right when I, uh, that's, that's the two, those are the two day, day jobs I had while doing comedy. And then, um, before I knew I was, I wanted to, before I knew I could do comedy, I was a doorman. I worked at a print shop in Long Island and I did, uh, I worked construction with my, my friend's dad's company for like, probably like six months. So I was terrible at it, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I did a bunch of random stuff before I, before I realized that I wanted to do this. And then when I realized I wanted to do this, I had like filler jobs, jobs that you could leave at five and not feel guilty. That kind of yeah, thing, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so at these jobs, did, did people know you did comedy or did you kind of keep that under your hat? Because, you know, people tend to, uh, people can be um, goofy about that. People knew. I told people at these jobs. The second, the last job I had, I didn't really. Because I think I learned my lesson from the other job. I would tell, I would get excited when I was first few years in the comedy. So at the insurance company, I would tell anybody who would listen because I wanted them to come to shows and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. But then it, then it got kind of annoying <laughs> for a while. So I, uh, I, I, I didn't really anticipate all the stupid questions every week. So I, um, then I, I, the second job, the job after that I had, the last job I had before I stopped and it was full-time comedy, I, I didn't really tell anybody. I would just, I would tell my boss, hey, I have to leave at five because I have to go do shows. But oh, okay. uh, I, didn't, I didn't like, uh, I didn't really like, I didn't spread the word around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because uh, as a layperson who's who's done some open mics, I'll I'll kind of, you know, maybe drop that in a job interview or something like that, just to make myself appear more interesting, which would probably mortify a professional like you. But you know, you got to do what you got to yeah. do. And, <laughs> no, uh, I get it. I was I was the same way, dude. I'll tell you, I was the same way. But now when I go on the road and I get into a taxi, I lie. I oh lie yeah, yeah. <laughs> I say I say I work. I say I work in insurance. It's, Nobody wants to ask questions about insurance. <laughs> well, the the play, yeah, that's that's funny. Well, well you know what it is. The, 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 the more I get into this, the more you know, the, the, I get angry at the questions because when you when you tell somebody to do comedy, you know, you know that you know that the, the the drill where it's, you do comedy. Tell me a joke. Yes, like, exactly. No, yeah, yeah. I, I I don't want to do that. And then or it's, are you funny? Are you funny is the worst question you can ask somebody. So now what I do is I legitimately go, no, I'm not. And I try to convince them <laughs> I'm not, not funny. Because I'm like, I'm like, well, you're trying to make me feel uncomfortable. Why can't I make you feel uncomfortable? Like, that was the point of your, you, you asking me, are you funny? That's, you're trying, that, that's, that's pulling an alpha move. You're trying to make me feel weird. So I'm going to make you feel weird right back. And if it's not funny to you, it's not funny to you. What can I tell you? <laughs> yeah. I always try to have like one or two jokes at the ready because in the, some situations, because I'm not doing it professionally like you were doing, you know, that you have wound up doing. You know, again, it's just yeah. a way to make me look more interesting. So I have one or two jokes at the ready. And, you know, although the place I work now, it's a marketing association. And we put on these two conferences every year, one in the spring and one in the fall. And they were, they were trying to figure out something. They needed something to, to fill the time between two of the sessions. They said, let's have P PF do some stand-up. And I'm like, I, and I tried to get around, and no, thank you. <laughs> I suggested instead instead that we do trivia, which I also do. And, of course, trivia host is just, I think, one step ahead of magician, maybe, and one step below impressionist. <laughs> I think that's where it's kind of odd. But I want, I'd rather do that because it's, it's much more low pressure. If you're the funny yeah, trivia guy, be funny. you're the hero. Yeah. yeah. It's also not, it's not a good setup for comedy. Yeah, that's why it boggles my mind. That's why clubs are so great because you go do some of these. I do road shows sometimes, and I'm like, why would you guys think that comedy was a good idea here? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I had to do. I had to do. Uh, well, early on, I did a show 
that was after a film festival, and I, I literally performed to the backs of a hundred people that were at the bar drinking. They weren't even paying attention to the show. And I'm like, why would you guys think this is a smart idea, a good idea? Like, why they don't? Nobody wants this. We're literally talking into a sea of noise. It's not, you know. So that I learned that more and more as I do this. I'm like, there's circumstances for stand up. You need people to be t- paying attention. Yep. They, uh, you know, ideally they have to be there for comedy. Like, it, I was talking to a friend last night about this. Like, a lot of people don't like comedy. A lot of people can't take it, or they don't like it, or they're not fans of it. Like, I've had literally people. I've told people in my comic in conversation because it came up some natural way. Right. And I've had people go, I'm not. I don't like stand up comedy. Like to my face, and I'm a stand up comic. <laughs> like, like. Like, like that's how much people just feel free to say whatever. Comedy's the only thing that when they people watch you, they think, "Oh, I could do that." Like, that's what they think. Yeah. You don't do that with somebody playing guitar or somebody singing opera. You don't go, "I could, I could tell, tell sad an aria. I could definitely <laughs> do an aria." Like, you know, that's not a thing. Yeah. And writing's like that too, because people think, "Oh, I, I can write. I don't need to hire a writer. I can write just fine." <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's one of those like, disciplines. No, you can't. You can't. Yeah. You can't. You're not. Like that's that's why you get angry about it. That's, yeah. that's the frustrating part of it. But, but then also, but then you realize when you're doing it how much you love it, so you keep going. Oh sure. But I'm, but I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing too well, is I'm, when when you get a comedian, it's in, it's like with a like if doing a, it's some kind of you know. Uh, have an event and then there's going to be you know a band well is it going to be country is it going to be rock because people might like music but they might not like the kind yeah. of music the band is playing so you know they yeah. a lot of people have a and have also a, like yeah in this day and age you cannot you can't pretend that you can't show up to a I'll, I'll use it for comedy you can't show up to a comedy show and not pretend you didn't know what you were going to get <laughs> yeah if, 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 if you're headlining somewhere and the person didn't take the time to just Google your name and look at a video for 30 seconds. Like, how are you not doing that? How are you showing up getting mad at a, at a, at a show? Oh, well, you win free tickets. And, you know, they pay for the house so they can sell Oh, you win free tickets. Right. They pay. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, people... true, free tickets. But you can still check it out. I'd still rather, you know, rather that. Well, whatever. It's, it's an interesting topic. But at the end of the day, you know, I also am very thankful because I'm like, I did not think, like I said, I did not think I would get to this point where this is what I was doing for my life. I had no idea. Like, I did not picture it going this way, and I'm I'm ecstatic that it is. You know, you kind of, you kind of cheat. It's not, you know, when people will tell you, they're like, oh, that's a hard job. It's like, it's not a hard job. It's a job that a lot of people wouldn't do, or, you know, I would be nervous to do. Most people would be nervous to do the job. It's not like, you're not digging ditches, you're not doing construction, you're not, you know, Whatever it is, but but at the end, but when you really think about it, I'm like, oh, it's exciting. You kind of won life in a way because you, I, you got away with doing something that you love, you know. Yeah. So, do you get to uh, travel a lot out of New York City, or are you uh, mostly sticking around the city? And this is kind of like a will be kind of a treat for the folks in the Twin Cities. Um. No, no, no. I'm I'm I've been traveling a bunch. I just did uh, Rick Bronson, who's a great guy who owns. Uh, the club, uh, he has a few other clubs around the country. He has, I mean, not like the world. He has, um, one in Edmonton and he's one in Phoenix. I just did his club in Phoenix. I just did the Comedy Nest in Montreal. I've been, I've been on the road a lot lately. It's usually, uh, you know, I, I'll go on the road a few weeks and then I'm home for a couple of weeks and then I go out again and then, or, or it's one week off, one week on, depending on, it's like kind of a random schedule. Cool. 
And uh, so what kind of more specifically are you talking about on stage these days? Is this like stories from your life? Because now you're kind of a, you're pretty much grown up, you're married and all that stuff. So is it stuff like that? Or is he been observing the world? Yeah, all the craziness yeah. Going on? Everything kind of pertains to my life. Um, I'm not really political at all. So what I do is I talk about, um, me and my wife are trying to have kids right now. So I'll talk about that. I'll talk about uh, uh, my my mom and my sisters and my dog. I have even more. I have other jokes that are on TV about my dog, but now I have even more jokes about my dog. And uh, you know, So whatever's going on with me at the moment, that's what I talk about. That's cool. Well, great, man. Uh, got a lot of good stuff here for the interview. This will be in print and online in City Pages, uh, as always, the week that you're uh, up there in the Twin Cities. And if you're down here in Cincinnati, we can use it for that as well. Great. All right. Sounds good, man. All right, man. Well, uh, good talking to you. And um, Yeah, definitely. Good talking to you. Good, good, good chatting again. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it was. Good, good, fun conversation. Cool, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Sean Donnelly for being on the show. I'm not sure where you can catch Sean because I am recording this where I do not have internet. Uh, But I'm sure if you Google comedian Sean Donnelly, it'll take you to his website, and that'll take you to his tour dates. And he's touring constantly, so I'm sure you'll have a chance to catch him. Or you can look him up on the YouTube and catch him there and try to catch some some of his comedy bits there. Uh, He's all over the place. Rooftop probably has a couple clips of him as well. Uh, It's now time for the Song of the Week. Song of the Week arrives to us in kind of a strange fashion. You may remember we're friends with the Dad Rock guys over at USA Today. Well, uh, formerly of USA Today, at least for the Dad Rock podcast, um, Jim and Patrick, uh, I noticed in January had a new podcast called Rock in the Suburbs, and they wanted us to follow them, so I did. And then I looked over at the USA Today site, and uh, Dad Rock's not on there anymore. And I reckon that USA Today would not let them take the Dad Rock name with them. They probably got rid of their podcasts and said, but you can't have the name either because it would confuse people. So as far as I know, those guys are still working at the USA Today, but they're doing uh, the podcast independently, and they had to change the name to Rock in the Suburbs, which was their former theme song uh, by Ben's Fold- Ben Folds 5. Ben's Folds 5? Ben Folds 5. You know what I'm talking about. So anyway, uh, I was catching up on some episodes of Dad Rock from last summer to just kind of clear out the cue in my uh, iPod, and Jim had gone to Japan, and while he was in Japan, he was in a record store, and his family was being impatient with him, as you would imagine, and he said the CDs were all very expensive, but he found a couple of things that were pretty reasonably priced, a couple things caught his eye. One of them was the cover of the album by this band, the Pen Friend Club, so it looked very 60s, very retro, so he got like a four-song EP or something, and uh, it does, not only does it look uh, 60s retro and that sort of thing, it sounds it, it's really cool, it sounds very West Coast 60s pop. And uh, I played a couple of tracks, and it's uh, it's really good stuff. They have two albums out. I'm going to play a track, the, the one that Jim played from the 2015 album, which I, bl- I can't remember the name. And again, I don't have internet. I can't tell you what it is. It's the one that came out in 2015, though. And uh, it's the lead track. It's the I believe it was a single. It was Tell Me Do You Really Love Me. And uh, I listened to some of the other tracks, and they all have this really nice 60s vibe. They do some covers. They do some originals. Really good stuff. So our song of the week is Tell Me Do You Really Love Me from the Pen Friend Club, clear from Tokyo, Japan. I believe they're from Tokyo. Anyway, they're clean from Japan. Uh, it's a track of the week, and I hope you enjoy it. P.F. Tape Recorder, so long, and thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>